0: Well, good morning. Great to see you this morning on this beautiful day. Uh, today, we're finishing up a little uh, mini-series, two parts, and uh, this one is called What Test? And the framework for it is an uh, experience that I, I think probably most of you have had in your lives, and that is back to maybe junior high or senior high, maybe one of those days in school you walked into the classroom and the teacher said words that... Y- put you in a position to have the the deer-in-the-headlights look because the teacher said, Okay, are you ready for the test? Did it happen to you once or twice, maybe a couple of times? And and you got the the deer-in-the-headlights look, and you're saying, What test? I didn't know there was a test today, and there's panic that wreaks havoc in you, and you're kind of crazy with, Oh, what am I going to do? What test brings that kind of craziness? And the reason I bring it up this morning is because there are a lot of Christians that aren't aware that there's a test in the Bible. And uh, that test has to do with our money. And and let me invite you today to think about it in a little bit different way. Uh, How many of you get paid on a monthly basis? Raise your hand. You get paid on a monthly basis? All right. All right. Maybe a third of you. How about uh, how many many of you get paid twice a month? Maybe a little bit less. How about once a week? Okay, it's kind of all over the place. How about never? <laughs> all right, we got a few of those, yeah, right? Well, this test, the Bible says, has everything to do with what you do with the first 10% of your income. That's what this test says. And for many of us, uh, we find that uh, when we get our income, we spend that first 10% on the visa bill, or on the car payment, or on the boat payment, or whatever it might be. We spend our first 10% that way, but the Bible says that you'll receive a blessing by giving your first 10% to God. And let me just invite you to think for a moment about whether or not you think visa will bless you. I guess you got the answer to that one, huh? Or maybe you might feel like your boat is a blessing or your house is a blessing. Oh, yeah, okay, but think with me about what the Bible says about tithing today, about this blessing that comes from God because we give God our best, our first percent. And and part of what is important about this is because I want you to hear from the very beginning. The tithing says that when we tithe, God blesses us. And we're going to talk about that throughout the morning. So let's talk about this test. And as I speak to you today about scriptural, the scriptural basis for tithing uh, and its blessing, let's begin with Malachi 3. Malachi, that last book of the Old Testament, that is it not a, a, a one that we go to often, uh, just a couple of chapters. It's one of those page turners. We're trying to get to Matthew. We might stumble on Malachi. No, that's the next book, Matthew, first book of the New Testament. Malachi 3, 6 through 12 from the New Living Translation says, I am the Lord and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, What do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating on me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then the nations, then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Let the church say amen. So the first thing to note in this passage comes out of verse 7. It says, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now, this word decree is not a word that you and I use often in our vernacular today. Uh, It uh, is translated in different ways, depending on which translation of the Bible you read. Some of them translated to say ordinance. And an ordinance is maybe a little bit closer for us to understanding because Uh, We understand that ordinary is related to ordinance, right? And the idea behind an ordinance of God is that it's an ordinary activity that keeps us on the right path towards God. An ordinary activity that keeps us on the right path toward God. Now Malachi says you have abandoned, you have scorned or turned away from, failed to do some of the basic things that I have taught you, that I require of you. It's a principle of ordinary behavior. So they ask God in response to this. They say, well, how did we deviate from what you've taught us how to live? In verse 8, God responds saying, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. And again, depending on your translation, this word cheat is often translated rob or steal. In the original language, this word literally means cover, If you have something, you want to hide from somebody, you cover it. That's the idea of this this word rob or steal. We are hiding something from somebody else. In this case, hiding something from God, like we can hide something from God, right? So in God's response to the question of how they have turned away from this ordinary teaching of life, God says, you have robbed me or you have stolen from me. And the people respond And you get a little bit of tongue-in-cheek in in Malachi. You get get this little sarcasm that kind of dribbles out here uh, because they ask, when did we ever cheat you? Or when did we ever rob from you or steal from you? And God responds, you have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. God says, you've ignored a basic principle of living following me, and that is returning the first 10% Of your income to me. Now, God even goes so far as to say that the whole nation, because the whole nation is involved in this movement of ignoring this principle, that the whole nation has brought a curse upon them when we hear this idea, curse, we think about a witch with a cauldron and some pig's feet and other things, right? A hair of the gnat or whatever. And they put it in and they have this potion. They put a curse on somebody. And that is what it kind of conjures up for us. But let's get away from that and, and, and to understand that this is not what the Bible is saying, that kind of a curse, because what it really is saying is that by ignoring this daily teaching for your life, this daily principle for your right living, What you're doing is you are suffering the consequences of your choice. It's not that God brings out a magic wand and waves it over everybody and says, "Okay, you're cursed now. No, it's very clear. The curse has to do with our ignoring what God has said. You should do this. If you want a relationship with me, you should do this. It's brought upon ourselves because we are disobedient and not giving that first 10%. A curse is a consequence now you understand about consequences if you leave here today and you're driving down Robertson Road and you pass that friendly sheriff that parks often over there on to the west or east of us and you're doing 55 it's only 40 out there friends and that sheriff has the right to pull you over and you get you understand you may grumble you may try to talk your way out of it well the preacher talked really long today and I couldn't get to go to uh, shopping afterwards right uh, you could try talking your way of it, but you understand that there's a consequence of being disobedient to the law, and the officer gives you the ticket, and you can't really argue with it because you were disobedient to the law. You knew what the law says. In verse 10, it says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, the storehouse being the church in today's vernacular, so there will be enough food in my temple, the church. It goes on to say, If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough time, enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test, it says. There it is. The test. God says, test me. Only place in all scripture that God says, test me. If you just trust me, if you just give that first 10% to me, I will bless your life. And the blessing has to do with the way that our lives get reordered when we put God first. When we make God the first, number one priority of our lives, everything else gets ordered around that. And that's part of why the tithe exists, friends. Because God is trying to get us to get our priorities in the right position. And then he ends, Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed. Now, this little book called Malachi, as I mentioned, just a few chapters, we could summarize it by saying it's about faith and about family and about finances. And the fourth subject of Malachi is that if you follow God with your family and with your faith and with your finances, that God will return to you, that God will bless your life. And it's a decree this is. It's an ordinance, a principle of ordinary life for a person who wants to follow God. The first portion, the 10%, goes back to God. And ignoring this principle, very clearly it says, has consequences. Now, some people say, a Christian can't be under a curse because Jesus died to remove the curse of sin from me. And we would say, well, yeah, that's true that that Jesus died to remove the curse of sin from me and we understand that we know that because wh- when you die if you are a Christ follower you go to heaven that is the consequence of having that relationship with him the sin has been wiped away we don't get to go to hell we get to go to heaven because we are following in the footsteps of Jesus but we would be wrong to say that we can't be under a curse because every person in here struggles with their sin. Don't you? Struggle with your sin? And sin is simply choosing my way versus God's way. Some people will say, well, God owns all of it anyway, so what's the big deal about the 10%? God says, I reserve 10% for me. The first 10% belongs to me to my church. If you keep it, you're stealing from me. And if you don't want uh, to live with the curse, the consequences of that have to do with making sure that we are tithing. Let me say it a little differently. If you're not tithing, if you're not giving God the first 10%, you are placing yourself, you are choosing to put yourself in a position to not be blessed by God and living with the consequences. The same idea you find in Joshua 6 and 7. Very clear, if you look at Joshua 6 and 7, you find out that God has the same issue with the people of Israel then because they are, they are stealing from God. It says they, are, they have taken money from the temple and God says, you are stealing from me. So this morning I want to talk to you about a couple of truths about tithing that can be lifted up from these words from Malachi and from other places that we're going to go in just a minute. The first thing is, tithing is a test. We have to ask ourselves the question, why would I argue with God about this when God gave His one and only Son to die for me? Why would I argue with God about this tithing issue when God did this for me? God saved me from my sin, saved you from your sin. And God says, you're supposed to tithe because it's part of how you stay ordered around me and, oh, you're so wise that you're going to decide you don't have to do that because you're better than me, God would say to us? Really? A tithe literally means a tenth. And by the way, part of what's great about a tithe is is the money that you give is different for everybody. It's, it's tailor-made to fit into your budget. Because God doesn't say you've got to give X uh, amount of dollars in numbers, it's it's just a ten percent, right? So whether you make thirty thousand or three hundred thousand or three hundred million, the tithe is the same; it's still ten percent. Now, perhaps you know that this number ten is a number that the Bible uses often to represent a testing from God. So I want to invite you to, to join with me in a little test. I'm I'm going I'm to read a line invite you to respond about this number 10. So uh, the first question is, how many plagues were there in Egypt? How many were there? 10. You're quick. Very good. God was testing Pharaoh. How many commandments are there? Very good. You're uh, batting a thousand so far, right? All right. uh, Next one you may not know But you may have determined that there's a little pattern to what I'm doing here right now. So you might have a hint about where this is going. The next one is, how many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Very good. Aren't you sharp? So how many times were Jacob's wages changed? Ten. God was testing his heart. How many days was Daniel tested? Very good. Daniel was tested ten times. How many virgins were tested in Matthew? Nice. How many days of testing are mentioned in Revelation? And the last one, how many disciples were there? Ah. Uh, every test has got a trick question. You got to stay, stay awake. Yeah, there were 12 disciples, not 10. Tithing is a test. It's about God testing our hearts. It's the only place... The only place in all the Bible where God says, I dare you. I dare you. If I'm a tither, I'm under blessing. If I'm not, I'm under a curse. The curse being I have to suffer with the consequences of not being obedient to God. Tithing says 90% of my money blessed by God is far more valuable than 100% of my money not blessed by God. Now, I may not be the brightest bulb in the closet, but that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. 90% blessed by God versus 100% that is not blessed by God. Sometimes people say, I'm not going to do this because it's Old Testament, and Old Testament is about the law, and I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. Well, if you're not under the law, is it okay for you to have sex with someone outside of your marriage? Or is it okay to steal? if you're not under the law? Or is it okay for you to murder if you're not under the law? If you're living under grace, it doesn't mean that you can can ignore the basic ordinary principles for direction from God. And one of those basic ordinary principles are the Ten Commandments, right? Tithing is just one of those principles that comes to us from the very beginning of the Bible, and we'll look at it here in just a moment. It's a principle that God set up from the very beginning about ordering our lives about putting things right with God. So when we say we don't have to live under the law because Jesus died on the cross to bear my sin on the cross, therefore I can't be cursed, I don't have to deal with the consequences, maybe we should ask, did Jesus bear our sin on the cross? And we'd say, well, yeah. He bore my sin on the cross. Have you sinned lately? Because Jesus bore sin on the cross, does that mean you don't sin anymore? Well, of course not. It doesn't mean you don't sin anymore, but the consequences of your relationship with God through Jesus Christ gives you that gift of eternal life and, of course, the richness of daily living with Jesus. And we would also say that Jesus bore our sickness on the cross, right? That doesn't mean that sickness is gone because everybody in this room has been sick once in your life, haven't you? Doesn't mean that it goes away. It's a basic principle for living right with God in both the Old and the New Testaments. And if it was right in the Old and New Testaments, maybe it'd be right for us too, right? So we can't say tithing was a part of the law, and I'm not under the law, so I don't tithe. A second truth that should be evident by now is that tithing is biblical. And yet there are still many people that don't believe that it is for us today. Today. Here's a few more passage, passages from Genesis 14, verses 18 through 20. It says, And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the king of peace, and a priest of God Most High brought Abram, this would be Abraham before he was cha- his name changed, brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. And this happened 500 years before the law was given. Or how about Genesis 28, verse 22. This stone that I have set up as a sacred pillar will be God's house, and of everything you give me, I will give a tenth back to you. And another from Leviticus 27:30. All tenth part gifts. From the land, whether of seed from the ground or fruit from the trees, belong to the Lord. They are holy to the Lord. Or from Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 1 and 2. Once you have entered the land the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance, and you take possession of it and are settled there, take some of the early produce of the fertile ground that you have harvested from the land the Lord your God has given you, and put it in a basket. Then go to the location the Lord your God selects for His name to reside. And that name that would where his name resides would be in today's terms, your church. And then finally, from Deuteronomy, same chapter 26, verses 13 to 15. Then you must declare in the presence of the Lord your God, I have taken the sacred gift from my house and have given it to the Levites, foreigners, orphans and widows, just as you have commanded me. I have not violated or forgotten any of your commands. I have not eaten any of it while in mourning. I have not handled it while it was ceremonially unclean. And I have not offered any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the Lord my God and have done everything you commanded me. Now look down from your holy dwelling place in heaven and bless your people, Israel, and the land you swore to our ancestors to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey." And part of what is interesting about the conversation about tithing when people start talking about it is they say, well, I don't know that Jesus ever really said that we should tithe. People sometimes say, I wish it was in red in my Bible where Jesus said you should tithe, right? Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 23, verse 23. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites? For you are careful to tithe, even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Does Jesus tell us to tithe there? Yeah. He says we should tithe. He's try, trying to make the point that, that some people think these other things are more important, but Jesus is saying, look, these are, this is an ordinary thing for your life, an ordinary principle for living. You should tithe. Or if you jump over to Hebrews uh, chapter 7, verse 8, uh, the Hebrew writer takes pains to try to help us understand that Melchizedek, the high priest, the Old Testament high priest is a precursor to Jesus. The Melchizedek would be like Jesus. And it says in verse 8 of chapter 7, In the one case, the tenth is collected by people who die. But in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. He says, in one case, the tenth is collected by people who die. Referring to Melchizedek. Melchizedek, oh, by the way, is dead. But in the other case, the tithe, by him who is declared to be living. Who is the one that is declared to be living? Jesus is declared to be living. When you give your tithe, you are giving it to Jesus. Or oh, you may be doing it online, or you may be doing it in a check or cash or whatever, and you may be, it may be addressed to Lighthouse, but what you are doing is you are giving it to Jesus. Think about that the next time you think about giving financially, that what you're doing is you're giving this to Jesus. And finally, one last principle, tithing is a blessing. In 2 Chronicles 31, we find the king of Judah, Hezekiah, who is reading from the scriptures about tithing. And oh, by the way, when Hezekiah is reading this, uh, Judah is in a great recession. The land is in a great recession. And Hezekiah picks up the scriptures because the people have been devoid of following God. And he reads this about tithing. 2nd Chronicles 31, 4-10, He ordered the people living in Jerusalem to give the portion to the priests and Levites so that they could devote themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, olive oil, and honey, and all that the fields produced. They brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. The people of Israel and Judah who lived in the towns of Judah also brought a tithe of their herds, And flocks, and a tithe of the holy things dedicated to the Lord their God, and they piled them in heaps. They began doing this in the third month and finished in the seventh month. When Hezekiah, this would be the king, when Hezekiah and his officials came and saw the heaps, they praised the Lord and blessed his people Israel. Hezekiah asked the priests and Levites about the heaps, and Azariah, the chief priest from the family of Zadok, answered, Since the people began to bring their contributions to the temple of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare because the Lord has blessed his people and this great amount is left over. They tithed and the king became concerned that because there was this movement of tithing going on, the king became concerned that the people were going to do without and the evidence was to the contrary. Look at the heaps that have come as a result of people tithing. Malachi says, bring the tithe so there's food in my house. They were talking about how God provides nourishment. Would you say that God provides nourishment for you? Would you say that that your affiliation with Lighthouse is a place where you receive some nourishment through what happens on Sunday morning, through what happens in your Bible study or your women's group or your men's group or whatever it might be? Would you say that that is a blessing your life let's be real for a moment and acknowledge that somebody is paying for all the things that God does through Lighthouse people's lives are changed every single week I I have maybe the best vantage point to see that I see how people's lives are changed every week because of the work of Lighthouse not just here but in this community as well and someone is paying for that Someone is paying for the utilities to be paid, for the air conditioning to be on. Let the church say amen. But those are all secondary issues, right? But somebody's got to do that. That's part of why the tithe is important, because life change happens when we take what God has given us and use it for His work, and part of that work is being accessible in this building. Let me ask it a different way. After worship today, maybe you're going to go to a restaurant, one of your favorite restaurants, and you're going to have a nice lunch. And at the end of your lunch, will you walk out without paying the bill? Of course not. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't receive a great meal and walk out on the bill. But some Christians are doing that every single week. They come on Sunday morning. They go to worship, they go to their Bible study, they go to their small group, whatever it might be, and they never tithe. They get fed and they skip out on the bill because they don't tithe. And the saddest part, please understand, the saddest part about not tithing is the impact it has on us. And let me be specific. If you're not tithing, it's about the impact that it has on you. Because what you're doing is you're demonstrating that your life is not ordered around God. And there are all kinds of blessings that you're not receiving because you're not putting God first. You're saying, by not tithing, that Jesus dying on the cross for you is not really that big a deal. And, oh, by the way, isn't it marvelous that God lets us keep 90%? That God only says, hey, just give me 10%. The first 10%, just give that to me. God doesn't say, I want 90% or 80% or 50% or 40% or whatever. God said, just give me that 10%. Tithing places all the rest of my life in position to be used by God. Now, I hear people say two things consistently about tithing. From people who don't tithe, I hear them say, I I can't afford to tithe. And from people who do tithe, I hear them say, man, I can't afford not to tithe because of the blessings that I receive from tithing. Let's be clear about this. You will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. It's a step of faith to step out in faith. Now, let me finish with a little bit of an example of uh, an illustration from one of the stories that Jesus taught us. And let's pretend that I am a uh, I'm a billionaire. Let the church say amen. Congratulations, Frank. I'm a billionaire, right? And, and I've got a business uh, situation that's going on overseas and I've got to leave the country. I'm going to be gone for for six months. And um, I call three of my managers in, three of my trusted managers to come in. And you understand a manager is a steward. Steward is a biblical word that we don't use very often, but a steward is somebody that manages somebody else's property. So these three managers come in and I say, hey, I want you guys to manage my affairs while I'm gone, take care of things. And for that, uh, I want to give you $10,000 a month. And the only requirement that I have for you is that you give uh, 10% of that Back to my wife, Chrissy, because she's my bride. She's the most important person in my life. And I want to make sure that she's taken care of. So I want you to give that 10% to her. Just do that every month. And the rest of the money, you can do whatever you want to with it. And so the six months comes and goes, and I come back, and I have a wonderful reunion with Chrissy, and she's glad to see me, actually glad to see me. And, of course, I'm glad to see her. And we, we're dialoguing about life and what's going on and all that stuff. And we get to the point where I say, well, uh, let's talk about how things go, went with you. And uh, tell me about the money you received from the managers. How did that go? And she said, well, the first one gave me $1,000 a month. It was great. It was fantastic. I, I could pay some bills and take care of some things. And, and she said, uh, the second guy gave me 2000 a month. And she said, that was really wonderful because I, I, not only was I paying bills and eating food, but I could go do a little shopping too. And uh, that was wonderful. And she, I said, well, how about the third guy? And, and she said, well, the, f- the third one gave me 800 the first month. And then he gave me 500 the next month. And the next month after that, he didn't give me anything. Now, how would I feel about that third manager? Pretty upset, wouldn't you think? Chrissy is my bride, the most important person, earthly person in my life. And I trusted them to take care of her. And yet this one did not. At the very least, he's going to lose his job. You know, the Bible says that Jesus has a bride. Do you know who the bride of Jesus is? The bride of Jesus is the church. And the Bible tells us that we are to take care of his bride, the church, by giving a tithe because it's a test of the heart. And when God gets in our hearts, there's amazing things that God can and will do through us. All praise be to God. Bow with me in prayer. God, talking about money is not our favorite thing to do in the church. But it's all pretty black and white there, God. You made it very clear to us that the tithe belongs to you. Forgive us in those places where we have failed. And God, help us to understand that this ordinary principle for daily living Is about reordering our lives for you. Bless us, God, in our giving so that we might be a blessing to others. We pray in the name and for the sake of Jesus. And all God's children said, Amen Amen. and Amen.